0: Good morning. Let's do that again. Good morning. You know, it's, uh, it's always a privilege, I think, to come anytime to gather in the name of the Lord and to worship Him and to be together and, and just share life and share that experience we have. This video clip we just showed you, it's a, it's a series that the community group that's hosted on Wednesday nights uh, is going through. And I was watching it, and honestly, as a as a pastor over these years, it probably answers the most common question I get asked all the time. And that's, "How do you find what God wants to do in my life?" And I just thought, well, instead of keeping it just to our group, let's offer that to the whole church. Uh, John Ortberg is one of my favorite authors. How many of you ever read any of his books? Can I see your hands? Great titles, you know, if you want to, get out of the, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. That's one of his, uh, one of my favorites is Don't Let the Jerks Get to You. That one everybody will read now, right, because it's about relationship. But uh, really strong series of just how, how do you walk in God's will and how do you discover his life for you. So let me encourage you guys, if you're not already connected, right now media, that's something we offer to everyone at Hope, and we'd love for you to partake uh, part of that. Listen. Open your Bibles, or if you're following us on U uh, Version, uh, to the Book of John, uh, John's Gospel, and we're going to be in John chapter 17 this morning. I uh, just want to say uh, this morning, thank you. We uh, I want to share something with you. We have the privilege at Hope of uh, being involved with ministries locally and also around the world, and that's all a result of your of your giving, of your your faithfulness in the tithe and offering here at Hope and One of the things we committed to do when we started the church was is that we were going to act as a church the way God wants us to act as individuals. And that is we would would generously give away 10% right off the top to missions so that others may hear the gospel around the world. And we've been building that missions program over the years, trying to find that good balance between church planting and local through things like Second Harvest or Crisis Assistance or Pregnancy Resource Center, but also globally. We've been very particular globally because we're trying to go to places that uh, are hard to reach, and we have missionaries now in, uh, in places we can't even share some of the countries they're in, they're not supposed to be there, but one of the things we were missing, and we've and been praying about for the last couple of years, I really felt strongly that we need to have a, a mission's presence in, in the vicinity of Israel, what is going on there in that part of our world, because the Bible says very clearly we are to pray for Israel, to pray for Jerusalem, the peace of Jerusalem. And for the last couple years, I've been watching a family that's been trying to establish something there, wondering if God may have us get involved. And this last week in our stewardship team meeting, we, we agreed we were going to start picking up support for the Carlock family. For the last four years, they have been running a, a school, a Christian school in the Gaza Strip, ministering to displaced children because of the war. They have been, uh, their facility has been blown up a few times. It has, been, uh, it has been ransacked a few times, but you know what? They're going right back in. Because they believe everybody needs to know about Jesus Christ. And I want us to pray for them this morning as we pray over the word and ask God to bless them. But we are starting this month to to support them financially. And we want to continue doing that because every, every time you give, it goes beyond just taking care of us. It also goes to the rest of the world. Amen? So join me in prayer. And let's just open our hearts up to the word and let's bless uh, the Carlock family. Father, I, I thank you today for men and women like John and Marcia Carlock, God, who, who have taken the challenge of the gospel, God, and, and see that, Lord, it's not just for them, but it's through them. And God, we thank you that, Lord, they have chosen to go to places, God, that, uh, Lord, like we saw in the video, probably most would say, I don't have a peace about that. But God, you give them peace in the middle of those circumstances there to minister to kids, God, who, who are displaced by war, God, who, who struggle with things that we can't even imagine, God. But Lord, there, the light of the gospel is being shared daily, God, through their lives and ministry. And we just pray your, your guidance, God, we pray your provision, and God, we pray your, your, your fruitfulness through them, God. And Lord, in our own lives, God, help us to be open. God, we've been, we've been talking about the gospel. Help us to be open, God, good to what you want to do in us and through us. So, God, today, let our hearts be ready. Let this word find fertile ground, God, and let us be changed to be more like you. God, we pray this in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Well, welcome to week seven of the gospel. Uh, we are now verging on the longest series we've ever done other than the book of Luke. Uh, I promise you by Easter we're going to be uh, turning the corner a little bit into a a different story. But at the same time, the gospel is found in everything we talk about in Christ. And this morning what I want to do is kind of take from last week and go a little bit further of what it means to be in mission, what it means to be on the mission that God has for all who call upon his name. We, We shared last week kind of the third part of a prayer that we're learning to pray through called the gospel prayer, where we've talked about how that in Christ, there, there is nothing we can do to make God love us any more than he already does. What amazing, what amazing God we have. And there's nothing we have done to make him love us any less. We also talked about how that when we understand how great his love is, then his presence and his acceptance are all we really need for eternal joy. What a promise he's given us. And we turned the last week into an outward expression of that prayer, and we simply said this, and that is, God, as you have been to me, so, Lord, I will then be to others. And it's a bold proclamation to say, I want to live toward others the way God lives toward me. Can you imagine what this world would be like if people loved each other the way God loves us? Or if we we forgave each other the way God forgives us? If we gave each other grace the way God gives us grace? How many know that grace takes time? Do you you recognize that? Grace is not this sudden moment. It takes time. We we need it more and more. And also how it would be if we were generous toward each other the way God is generous towards us. And one of the ways we do that is by... Our outreach, by our ministering the love of Christ to others, by, by God leveraging the uniqueness of our situations, our personalities, our provisions, and using those to show others his great love. We said last week, we were using the analogy that Jesus used the metaphor when he called the disciples and he says, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And one of the truths we saw last week is that followers fish. They, they are always on the outlook that God wants to speak or use them. Speak through them or use them that someone else may know him. I want to take a little further this morning. And to do that, I want to look at a prayer that Jesus offered up on our behalf. So look at John chapter 17. John chapter 17, beginning in verse 13. And we're going to look at this morning why, why be on mission and what it means and what it takes to really walk in that mission. And here's the words. Again, Jesus is praying to his Father. Beautiful prayer. You need to go back and read the whole chapter later today. But beginning in verse 13, he says this. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one, for they are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Verse 18 is, is really captures the real story of, of the call to mission that God has placed on every one of us. He said, as Lord, as Father, if you have sent me into the world, now God, I send them into the world. You know, we, we take that word mission and, and it's too easy for us to categorize that as, well, that's for people who are missionaries, But you have to understand that the word mission is something that is spoken to every one of us because the word mission literally means the ones who are sent, that we are sent by God, that we are sent to do something. In fact, anyone who comes in contact with Jesus, who really experiences the the love and the power of Christ, they can't help but become involved in his mission because he said, Fathers, you have sent me, now God, I want to send them. God, I want to send them out to proclaim the same love, God, that I've come to show the world. In fact, if you think of the word missionary, one of the first things I want you to see this morning is they are sent to show something. They are sent to reveal something. The the word ambassador comes to mind, right? That that they are there to represent something greater than themselves. That there is an an agenda. There There is something they are bringing truth to. They are trying to break down stereotypes. And in the same way, that's what Jesus came to do. He came to show God, didn't he? He came to show the world the love of the Father and let the world know what he was really like and to represent the kingdom in both a truthful and an accurate way because in those days religion had become perverted. Religion had become something that God had never intended. Religion had become something that was so based on the individual they forgot that there was a heavenly Father who was greater than them and who loved them. And Jesus said, I have come to reveal you, Father, to them. I've come to reflect you on this earth. And part of his mission was that he was going to show them the Father. But he also had a second part of his mission, and that was this. And that was that Jesus came to reveal truth for a reason in order to save people from their sins. Aren't you glad Jesus came to save us from our sin? Aren't you glad that we can be set free today? that God's not in heaven judging us based on how good we are this morning, but he is seeing based on how great and how perfect his son Jesus was. He said, Lord, I, I want you to sanctify them by truth, verse 17, because your word is truth. Listen, Jesus came to make the broken whole, to let the lost be found, to make the sinful holy, to change people from who they are to what they could be if they live in the truth and the grace of the Father. What a powerful message, what a powerful life Christ came to live and to to share with us. But that word mission, that thought of mission, is really what the world kind of rejects about Christianity, if we're honest. You know, the world looks at at what we believe as Christians, and and quite honestly, those that are far from God, those that have not acknowledged Christ as their Savior, will say, you know, Christianity is acceptable. In fact, it's a great philosophy. There's some wonderful truths that people will just live out the, the teachings of Christ. They live in the red letters. But they have a problem with one thing, and that is the fact that God sent us out to convert others that they may know Him as well. The world is fine with Christianity as long as it is personal, as long as it is kept within the confines of the church, as long as it is kept in the confines of your house. But the thought that truly, if people don't believe the truth of the gospel, the Word of God says they are lost and they need a Savior, the world finds that intolerable. And people say, you're just too narrow. You're just too narrow with your thought of truth. You're just too narrow with your way to the Father. You're just too narrow thinking that people have to believe the way you believe if they are going to know the Father. But You guys, I, I, have, to, I have to say when I hear those kind of things, it's not the thought of narrow that bugs me. Because I look at it and I'm like, narrow? What, what, what is narrow about the gospel? I mean, think about it for a second. What if somebody you love dearly Someone that you cared for greatly? What if someone that you just, you just live for is sick with a life-threatening disease that, that you were, you've been freed from? That you've been cured of? And in fact, you now know the remedy for that disease. Would it be narrow to share with them the knowledge you have now that set you free from the disease that was destroying your life? Now, I wouldn't call that narrow. I'd call it loving, wouldn't you? I'd call it loving. You you have this combination of love in your life and truth in your life. And because of that, you can't help but share with those who are dying and perishing in their own sin. You see, we know what people need. We we love them. and And because of that, we have to be on mission. We have to be the extension of the kingdom on this earth that others may know the Lord that we love so greatly. But here's the thing. If we love them, but we don't know the truth, then there's no mission. That's why we need to know the gospel. That it's more than just a message for the sinner. It is the power of God into salvation. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation to the Jew first, then also to the Greek. But if we know them, but we don't know the truth, there's no mission in our life. But here's the other side of that if we know the truth, but we don't care, there's no mission either. God is calling us to mission, God is calling us to love people intensely. The world has a mission of its own, but we know what God has called us to. Think about this. When you understand what Jesus did for us, he said, come, come and drink of a, of a fountain, drink of this water, because if you drink this, you will thirst no more. But he didn't just offer us a drink, an experience. He said, no, I will put in you a wellspring of life that will just constantly be bubbling up, that gives you all you need for life, but yet is meant to be an overflow for others. And because of that, Because we know that, because we're drawn to that, we can't help but recognize that God has called us further into mission. You see, once you've discovered the truth and you've tasted and seen of the love of God, then can I tell you this, your religion can no longer be a private matter. It just can't be. It's where the world wants it to be, but it can't be. I mean, how do you know if Jesus has moved from being a concept to reality in your life? Go back to like the second week of this series. How do you know if Jesus is more than a concept? I think very simply we we know that when we understand that our our faith, our religion cannot be private anymore. Because Jesus said, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission and I can't be quiet about the truth that sets men free. And now as the Father sent me, now I send you on mission. So let's look at that mission this morning. There's three things I want you to see if you're taking notes. There's three parts of this that we need to really get our hands on if we're going to be effective in mission. We're going to, we're going to look at the result of mission this morning. We're going to look at the, uh, the, the, the need for mission, and then we're going to find out how it flows through our lives. And really honestly this morning, please listen carefully. If, if you are not a believer, can I, can I tell you this? You really cannot intellectually dismiss Christianity unless you know what the mission of Jesus really is. And at the same time, if you are a believer, then be challenged to ask yourself this morning, just how strong is my connection to Jesus? If our connection is strong, then our desire is to be like Him. And to be like Him means we're on mission. So the first thing I want you to see is the result of mission. The result of mission. The result of mission is always joy. Boy, that, that's not the word probably people think of, is it? <laughs> Most people are like, the result of mission is nervousness. The result of mission is awkwardness because I have to tell somebody about Jesus? The result of mission is always joy. Listen to the words of Jesus. He said, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. It's his greatest desire that we experience the joy that he experienced because his mission revealed who he was and what he came to do. All through through John 17, you see the words that Jesus came to bring eternal life, that he came to be one who reveals God, that he came to die for our sins. And the reason he came was simply this. The reason Jesus came on mission is because man had substituted ourselves for God by living as if we were God, living for our own glory. So God came and substituted himself for us. Because we took upon ourselves the things that only God deserves. Uh, worship, the, the building of our own kingdom. Then God took upon himself the things that we deserve. Judgment, punishment for our sins. For that, we love him. Think about this. I've always tried to picture this. Hebrews twelve two, great passage, great understanding of, of, the, of the mind of Christ. And it's the picture of God looking to his son. And as, God, as, as Jesus glorified in heaven all of his majesty, he says... Okay, are you willing to go and take upon yourself all that sin deserves? Are you willing to go and take upon yourself all that, 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 that holiness requires that mankind may, may now be saved? In Hebrews 12, too, we we see the reaction of Jesus. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We can't fathom that. The father says, are you willing? He says, I'm looking forward to it. Are you really understanding? I'm looking forward to it. Why? Because he could see the result of the mission. And the cross was, was the path. And he knew the path would only lead to the joy we have. And he says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Christ was so filled with the prospect of mission That he says, now to us, I'm telling them these things, that they may experience the same joy of being on my mission. I'm going to make a statement. It may just sound really blunt and harsh, but please understand it this morning. If there is a true lack of joy in your life, can I tell you it may be because there may not be any mission to your life. It goes hand in hand. If we really believe the result of mission is joy, then, then there, there needs to be an evidence of that in our life. If there's no joy, then there's probably no mission. But we are built for mission. Christ, God built us for mission. It's in our DNA. It's how we are made. There's a link between joy and being sent. Joy and, and, and going to show and to save. And, and we see it from the time we're little. I mean, kids get this, don't they? They want to talk about quests. They want to talk about becoming something Doing something to change the world, superheroes, the movies, the novels, the books, they all have that expression that something deep inside of us says, we're supposed to be on mission. I mean, ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up in life. Have you done that? You think it's always things that have mission, right? I want to be a doctor, I want to be a fireman, I want to be whatever, because there's something about saving the world. Very rarely, I don't think I've ever heard a kid say, what do you want to be in your life? Oh, I want to work in an office eight to five. I want to learn Excel and push some paper. Yeah. Where do we get there? How do we get to that? You see, while they're young, before they've gotten jaded to the, the ways of the world, there's still this deep, innate desire to be part of a mission. They want to be something and change the world and, and save the world. And here's what happens. As they get older, the world shapes them. The world has shaped us. And it shapes us into its own truth. Somewhere along the way, we bought into this truth that says, you know what? Truth is relative. There are no absolutes, so if there are no absolutes, then there's nothing to stand for. There's nothing to believe in. There's nothing to to go after more than my own personal happiness and my own personal provision. And what it does is no longer are there causes that are, that are higher than our personal needs. It seems there's no causes that are worth sacrificing our happiness for. There, there's nothing to die for, but if there's nothing to die for, there's nothing to live for either. Because we miss the view of mission. At my father's funeral, I had the privilege of meeting uh, one of his fellow professors that was up in his 90s, and he was actually from that greatest generation fought in World War II, and we were just talking about life. And I was so impressed with him because he wasn't this bitter old guy like, you guys have just messed the world up. But he was saying, I just hope that we can come back to understanding there is a mission higher than all of us, and there are things in this world that are worth sacrificing for. You see, when we buy into the world's way of truth, we buy the lie that nothing seems more important to us than our own fulfillment, then then our commitments don't mean anything. Wedding vows, church membership, civic engagement are only good as long as they serve our own personal fulfillment. If there's nothing for me to pursue that's higher than I, then, then life is just all about getting all I can to somehow live peacefully and comfortably not be a burden to others. And the sad thing is, we go through life living only for ourselves, and no longer we're making a difference in the world. The ironic thing is that the more we exaggerate our own significance, we lose our significance. Because the more it's about us, the world, they'll never see the mission of holding up Christ is the answer. You see, in Christ, we've gained our freedom. We've gained our freedom that should lead to mission, which should lead to joy, joy. See, God is intervening in the misery of this world to bring hope and healing and salvation to mankind. And he's invited you and I to join him on that mission. And he says, because you will experience the joy of seeing the world change by the loving grace of our Father. The Bible says things like, if you seek to find yourself, you lose yourself. But if you seek his kingdom, if you seek Christ, you find yourself as well. So the outlying result of mission is joy. And it comes to that place where God calls us for that because he wants us to experience what he made for Christ. The second thing I want you to see is the power for mission. The power for mission, where does it come from? What drives us into mission? Can I tell you it's only through an encounter with God that we ever enter into mission? It's in our, it's in our core values at Hope. We say it every week. At Hope we exist for you to encounter God. Why? Because if all you do is have an intellectual ascent to Christ, you will never engage in mission You've got to know the power of the living God in your life. And that's where we move from God being a concept to reality. He, Jesus said, Fathers, you've sent me, now I send them. Listen, when you have an encounter with God, it changes your life. You can't be the same, you can't stay the same. It changes your agenda, it changes your thinking, it changes your outlook. When you come into encounter with God, it shakes you to your very being. Why? Because it changes your, your, your eternal outlook, and, and nothing is personal anymore. It's not about just God bless me, and God protect me, and God keep me, and God I hope somehow to one day just get it right. No, it is God calling us to himself so we experience his power, so that in our weakness he is made strong. You see, guys, the, the way we move into mission is recognizing that, that God changes us to be something we're not. In fact, you can write this down this morning. God never pulls us in to bless us without sending us out to bless others. We, we talked about Isaiah a few weeks ago in that wonderful passage, Isaiah 6, where he had this encounter with God. He's like you and I. He comes on, a, on the Sabbath, or in his case the Sabbath, us on Sundays, and he goes to temple, we go to church, and, and the last thing he expected happened, God showed up. And when God showed up and he saw God, he had this radical encounter with God. If you remember the story, the first thing he recognized was his own sinfulness. God, I'm not worthy. God, these, these lips are unclean. God, I'm part of a people that are unclean. And God did what God does for us when we gather and confess our sins. He came and he cleansed him and he healed him. But something happened after that encounter. God didn't say, now good, go, have a nice family, have a nice life, I'll see you in heaven. No, God said, who then will I send? Who will go for me? And what was Isaiah's answer? Here I am, Lord. Send me. God will not bless you without sending you out to be a blessing to others. Abraham, go back and read Abraham's story, the father of all nations. Abraham, he got a calling that we would all accept if we, if we just took the part of the first part of it because God said, Abraham, I'm calling you to myself and I will bless you and, and I will make you great. How many would sign up for that blessing, right? Hey, thank you. That's what I want. Bless me, make me great. And it'd be cool if we stopped right there. But that's not where God stopped, did he? He said, Abraham, I will bless you and make you great and you will be a blessing to all nations. Now go. Now now Go leave your comfort zone, Abraham, leave your country, leave your security, become vulnerable, Abraham, and guess what? The blessing will flow, but it will only flow as you bless others. You see, guys, God will never call us to be blessed without sending us out to bless others. He will never call us to receive of him unless we're willing to be vulnerable enough to open our lives up to others. Say, God, here, use me that someone else may know you. That's where joy comes from. That's where real peace comes from. It's not just having security. It's understanding that God has given us ultimate security through him. So now he wants us to love others the way he loves us. And the way Christ loved others was he made himself vulnerable to them. It cost him his life. And now he's asking us to be vulnerable. Be willing to say, as I follow Christ, follow me, let's go. Is I know him, follow me, let's go. Because really, unless you're on mission, you really haven't grasped the beauty and the majesty of our God because the power of mission comes from that encounter where you know him and you know he's real and you know he matters and now your religion is no longer personal. It is part of a mission that says we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them all things of the word and baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a commission that all of us have and not just a select few. Finally this morning, the requirement for mission, where does it, what do we have to have in order to do this? The requirement for mission, listen carefully, is our, is our personal holiness. Let me explain that because immediately some, because of your background, your teaching, you are like, wait a minute, Mike. You're telling me the power for mission is me being perfect? No, no, follow. Follow what we talk about when we say holiness. The, 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 the requirement for mission is your personal holiness. Holiness. I think to see this, you got to see what's said about Christ. When he was resurrected, he was revealing himself to different individuals, and one of them were some folks that were walking down the road to Emmaus. You may remember the story. And in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 24, it says something that they recognized about Christ. They said that he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. What they were saying was, he was a prophet who was whole. His words match his actions. His his attitude matched what he proclaimed. His love matched his sacrifice. There was a completeness, a wholeness about him. I think one of the reasons we don't see a lot of effectiveness sometimes in our our Christian lives is a lack of personal holiness or wholeness. We we bring Jesus in in salvation because we don't want to die in our sin, and we, we acknowledge, thank you for forgiving us, but yet... Unless we make him Lord over our lives and he begins to shape and change our attitudes, our thinking, our our outlook, then we are not becoming whole. Jesus said in verse 17 to the Father, Father, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, Now, why would he pray that? I mean, verse 18, there's the mission. Lord, send them out. I'm going to send them out the way you sent me. But verse 17 and 19 around it are both about our personal holiness. Lord, sanctify them. Lord, make them whole. Lord, let the truth of your word get in their lives and let it be more than just a, a mental acknowledgement, God. For Lord, I sanctified myself for them that they truly may be sanctified. What it's saying is that if we are becoming more like Christ... Then we possess both his courage and his sweetness. We're not a bunch of angry Christians acting like election years are always election years, right? We have his sweetness, but we have his courage. We want to love people, but we also want to tell them why we love them. We have his compassion, but we also have his mercy. We have his humility, and we have his power. The more we're like him, the world will see the mission in us. You see, if your personal holiness and wholeness is what makes the impact of mission, it's, it's the lining up of life with what you say. I always find it interesting, and I, I buck against this, and I know that in our stewardship meeting we had this week, the Villa attest, we had this conversation. I am a romantic when it comes to the gospel. I just believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe God builds his church in a powerful way. When when I look at the early disciples going out and how Jesus sent them out, he didn't send them out with demographic and marketing surveys. He he didn't send them out into courses of how to be great public speakers. He didn't send them out with five easy easy ways to win your neighbor to Christ. No, what he did, he sent them out in their own personal holiness with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they turned the world upside down. And can I tell you, I believe that's the only way the world is going to be saved today. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. You cannot deny or dismiss Christianity when you come in contact with a truly holy person. You can't do it. Because when you see the reality lived out, it is so inviting. It is so incredibly attractive. You just can't deny the power because it's not in ourselves. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. It's not in our own power. It's not our own personality. It's in Christ. You see, the gospel spread one life at a time. One holy life standing out for others to acknowledge and see that this God is real and that his grace is powerful. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. People, people want to see you live what you say. I, I think it's one of the misnomers of Western faith. If I can just get them to church, the pastor will preach a great message, they'll hear of Jesus, they'll get saved. I believe we're far past that. I really believe our culture is far past that. We are so inundated with messages in our culture today that the only way we acknowledge messages is if we see it lived out. And We say, that person is real. That person is a believer. I will follow them. I feel the judgment every time I preach, guys. It doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter how eloquent, how well you can string together things, how, how well your tongue doesn't stick to your mouth like a you got peanut butter sandwich. Or something. You know, we're, The judgment is not on execution, the judgment is, yeah, I wonder if he's really living that out. I wonder if his faith has made him any stronger in the face of adversity. I wonder if he's willing to die for what he believes. I wonder if he loves his wife. You see, guys, it's not the message. It's the message in our lives. It's the message in how we live it out. It's the message in the truth we show, not just the truth we share. Why? Because the world's brokenness will be healed by our wholeness. Fathers, you've been to me. Lord, I then will be to others. As we close this up today, we're about to go into a response time. And you know I believe that maybe the best thing today we could do, maybe the best thing we could listen to and think about for just a moment, maybe the best thing we can enact or act upon would be this. Not to seek out another program, another ministry, but rather before God and just confess our lack of holiness in areas of life let God heal us like Isaiah let the angel take the the tongs and the altar, take the coal and come and touch us cleanse us in the areas where we've not let Christ reign and I know that's different for every one of us I know that's different in every one of our lives but if we want joy, if we want joy, if we want that joy unspeakable and full of glory as the Bible describes it, then we've got to move from living just for ourselves and our personal happiness. We've got to join in the mission of God. and It makes us vulnerable. We don't like being vulnerable. It makes us transparent. We don't like being transparent. It makes us understand that every day we are living a witness. is watching. You see, I'm pretty simple about evangelism. I've never thought it was a program. I've always believed the greatest witness is you in the marketplace. Me, at the store, at the gym, at the game, at the wherever we are. Filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the holiness that God enables us to have and being ready to share the answer the hope that we have within us. Guys, that's the mission. That's what God's called us to. That's what this gospel message is about, so that we may know, that others may know. I've shared it with you many times, and we're going to pray with this. <laughs> on my mentor in ministry, Forrest Tolliver, I, I till I die, I will proclaim his name. The man had such an impact on my life. But whenever I'd go into his office, he had this little plaque on the wall. And it said evangelism, mission, is one beggar telling the other beggar where the bread is. That's as simple as it breaks down. We have been fed the word of life. He says now share it with somebody else. Amen.